Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. Hi, this is Alex Faust, voice of the L.A. Kings. You're listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. This is Derek Armstrong, and you're listening to the best L.A. Kings podcast, L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. Boom! All right, hello, everyone. It is I, J.D. Styles, Jeff Duarte of Cali Sports News, bringing to you another live episode of L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio, right off the heels of a crazy game between the L.A. Kings and the Tampa Bay Lightning, going right down to the wire, 4-3. to three. Here to help me co-host the show and break everything down, I have the L.A. Kings superfan, Mr. Augie Loria. Augie, how are you, sir? You there, Augie? Yes, I am here right now. Sorry about that, Jeff. I had a little uh, technical difficulty, and I think we are all good to go now. Okay, excellent. Some technical difficulties, but the show must go on, and we are going to get this show done. We have lots to talk about today. And that's what happens when you have a live show in front of a live studio <laughs> audience. With us as well, my good friend, longtime L.A. Kings fan and the host of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, Mr. Mark Warder. Mark, how are you, sir? Are you there, Mark? 
Mark must be watching the replays of uh, Vasilevsky's saves because they sure left me speechless too, man. Can you Which hear me, one? Jeff? It was like five. Is that you, Mark? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can, we can Hello. hear you now. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, Whoa. I'm good, buddy. How are you? Boy, I think like Mark. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Mark. We really appreciate it. Um, let's get down right to it, break it down this game. Or, you know, we're not going to get the dog for too long, but uh, the Kings pretty much having the exact same line, lineup from the last game where the Kings have won, except for the fact that, of course, Trevor Lewis has been flown home back to Los Angeles due to that nasty hit he took and that crash he took into the boards. Completely legal hit, but uh, Lewis obviously rocked from that check near the end of that game. So he's going down to L.A. to be checked out by the Kings doctors. Our thoughts are with them. Hopefully the unsung hero is okay. Um, so Marion Gabbert gets the call, and we'll see if the Ferrari will be tuned up and full of gas or should, should go back to the shop. If it was a horse, it would be the glue shop, but I digress. So pretty much the same thing here. We got Darcy Kemper in that, of course, instead of Jonathan Quick, which was planned, which is why Quick was in that last night. Darcy Kemper being the hot hand for the Kings, or is he? One special thing that happened here, guys, we're going to talk about it, of course, is former L.A. King Vincent LeCavalier, got his number four retired by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, he is a Lightning legend, winning the Stanley Cup back in 2004 against the Calgary Flames in an epic seven-game series. Playing for Calgary there, of course, is another former LA King, Jerome McGinley. Two guys that played for the Kings and retired with the Kings. So I don't think McGinley is officially retired, but he's kind of retired. So uh, very, very classy for Tampa Bay to wait for LA uh, to be in town for them to do this with Le Cavalier because uh, he wasn't treated very well when he played in Philadelphia. He was a healthy scratch for most of his time there where the Kings actually gave him a shot and uh, with his positive attitude, leadership, and experience, didn't, didn't play too bad there at the end of the 2016 season. Uh, Augie, your thoughts on the Le Cavalier ceremony that they just had today? Classy. I love the way the Lightning does their in-game presentations, and they obviously put a lot of preparation in there to honor a legend, and they honored him properly. And it was just, it was, it was first class. And I'm so happy to see that they did that on a night when he faced the Los Angeles Kings, because really his time in Philadelphia didn't count. They, they did not give him the, uh, the professional love. Uh, that I thought that a legend like that deserved. But when he came to Los Angeles, he was fantastic with the fans. He was productive with us and still showed that he had something left in the tank. I just wish that uh, that the Kings could have done a little more to uh, advance his career during that year when they were only when they were bounced by the Sharks in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, uh, any fond memories of uh, Vinny Le Cavalier when he was a king there for, what, 44 games or so at the end of the 2016 season? Well, yeah, great point there by Augie um, to dismiss the Philadelphia Flyers. It's too bad he, he lost what, two years of his career um, healthy scratching when he had that much left in the tank. Um there's times that the, those last 44 games where the Cavier was obviously was the best player on the ice for the Kings um, in, in more than a handful of games. I'll, I'll say that he's, you know, I think he could have gone on and played another year with the Kings. And I was sad that they didn't get that done at the time. Um, 
still had the great hands, still had the grit, still had the fire to play the game. Um, and yeah, it would have been nice to see him get one last long run into the playoffs. Well-deserved by him. Um, as you know, as it, it's weird to say, but I don't think he got the, the proper credit for as good a player as he was probably because he played down in Tampa. Um, superstar hockey player, first class individual, and definitely glad to see his number go up in the rafters in Tampa Bay. Can't, uh, not can. Um, hockey Hall of Fame's coming up next for sure. All right. Augie, do you think Le Cavalier will be worthy of making the Grand Hall? Jeff, his plaque will be there right next to yours. <laughs> I wish. I wish. As long as the, on, on the other side is Jerome McGinley. Because I'm telling you, those two guys, I have loved their entire careers. The only time I was yeah, sad, sure. okay, the two times that I was sad was when they fought each other in the Stanley Cup final. I was like, no, you guys need to be friends and join the Kings. And then when they finally did join the Kings, of course, it was past their primes. But I was happy and honored that they wore the armor of the Kings. So uh, I also agree. Vinny should definitely be in there as well, a true legend. And uh, it was cool that he was a King. It's just too bad that he didn't stay as long as he probably could have. And I agree, he could have played another year. I mean, he got, uh, let me see here. He only played 42 games with the LA Kings, 10 goals, 7 assists, 17 points, a plus 1 was in the face-off dot, 51% in the face-off dot, but what he provided with his uh, positive attitude, as Kopitar was talking about yeah. today, and what he added with, obviously, his elite level of experience, being the player that he is, you know. It's really too bad that the 2016 Kings couldn't get their stuff together in that playoff series against San Jose or the two weeks before that led up to that playoff series. But hats off to Le Cavalier for getting his, uh, his number four retired in Tampa Bay. Fantastic. So here we go into the game. And we're not going to spend too much time here uh, with the breakdown when it comes to the scoring and everything. We're going to go right down here where Steven Stamco scores his 21st goal of the season, 105 into the first period. Augie, did you see that goal? Can you break that goal down for us and how everything started going so wrong for the Kings so early on? Well, apparently the Kings really like uh, being down one nothing because it's been just a, it has just been a pattern that has plagued them all season long. Giving, falling behind and having to play from behind constantly. Uh, just one of those things where they couldn't get the puck out of the zone and Tampa Bay jumped on it and Stamkos just put a shot toward net. And I think he really was just trying to create a rebound opportunity, not so much trying to score. And uh, it looked like it caught Kemper off guard because all of a sudden it was in the net and we're, it's down, we're down one nothing. I mean, my, I was at work sneaking in, watching it. And it was like, gosh, my, I, my Starbucks isn't even here yet. And, uh, yeah, yeah. That's just a, what more can you say? They just like being down one nothing, apparently. Yeah, that's definitely the pattern that we've uh, we've been seeing uh, this year. Uh, sometimes when the Kings win, it's a good thing, but when it games like this, you do not want to be down against the NHL leading Tampa Bay Lightning, a very strong Stanley Cup contender, uh, that early in the game. But uh, Johnny Brodzinski was able to tie the game up. Uh, he had, I'm sorry, yes, it was Johnny Burtinsky. It was an excellent three-on-two rush 
by the Kings. A beautiful tic-tac-toe play, I believe. Brodzinski got the puck to Andrew Alpha, quickly passed the puck to the hip check's favorite, Nick Shore, who got it back to Andrew Alpha, who, to his credit, for the second game, game in a row, did a beautiful pass to Johnny Brodzinski, wide open, nothing but net, tying the game at 1-1. Mark, did you see that goal, and what did you think of the chemistry that we've seen for two games in a row between Johnny Brodzinski, Nick Shore, and Andy Andreoff? Well, I think obviously they were the Kings' best line tonight for sure. Um, oh, not, for sure. Not just not just on that play, but but throughout the game, they were they were the line that was forcing play. They were the line that were keeping the puck in the offensive zone for extended periods of time. Um, it impresses me that they're able to to finish off the rush like that. Um, is this the line that's going to be held together and give the Kings that third line scoring that's kind of been lacking at times this season? I think, I think early returns. Yes, you got to you got to run with that. Um, prizing the speed that that Anderhoff came down that left wing with, and his vision to start to you know you don't think of Anderhoff as the guy that's going to going to get a cross ice pass and just lay it right on the tape for Brzezinski to to roof that, but. Um, he's starting to become a little bit more of a playmaker um, in that wing. And there's a beautiful, beautiful play. The transition game for that line worked. But, you know, throughout the game, like I was saying, um, best line for sure, best line for sure. And it's good to see him get rewarded. And, you know, the Kings started off slow, maybe uh, back-to-back had something to do with that. But to get an answer off that first goal and tie things up, um, that was a big point in the game, I thought. Speaking of that line, Augie, your thoughts on Coach Stevens bringing in Marion Gabrick instead of, say, Mike Amadio uh, to replace Trevor Lewis in this game. Your thoughts on that? I think uh, going with the experience that Gabrick brings, and, uh, I mean, granted, on paper, he's been a healthy scratch, but you just, I mean, you don't know what's really going on there. I mean, was he fighting a little bit of a nagging injury? Was he Was he fatigued? I mean, did he just need a mental break, clear the head? Uh, I got no problem uh, putting uh, Gabrick in there and uh, doing that only because of the fact that when it comes like to guys like Amadio and Brzezinski and some of the rookies up there, I mean, the Lightning are, are an elite team. Uh, they're the best team in the National Hockey League this year, I think, in my opinion. Uh, right. So I'd rather go right. with a veteran like Gabrick because you can just put him in that spot and see what he's going to do than, than put Amadio in a spot to where it could hurt him and hinder him, or, I mean, it could have, he could have had a breakout game. I mean, who knows? But I, I like the safe play of going with Gaffrick, especially coming off a back-to-back night and not having that much prep time. Uh, the vet, he's always ready to go. Yeah, I, I would have to agree because that's the thing. That's the paradox with Marion Gabrick, especially now at 35 years old, and he's battled so many injuries in his career. His – the speed that he does have when he's not injured and, you know, the natural instinct he has to score goals, you know, there's always the hope that he's going to regain that. He's going he's to put the puck in the net because, you know, that's, that's his main strength. But, you know, with him in a slump, you know, sometimes you have to put him in there and see if he can get out of that funk. Maybe being a healthy scratch could be a good thing, but uh, didn't work out today. But I definitely agreed, uh, you know, to at least give it a shot for this game. So shortly after – uh, the game's tied 1-1, and then 
Uh, Alex Kalorn takes a penalty and makes the Kings go into the power play. And I have to admit, I was very impressed with the Kings on this power play, uh, just attacking nonstop a barrage of shots towards the Tampa Bay net. Of course, they didn't score. And then as soon as the power play ended, uh, Kalorn jumping out of the penalty box, got a beautiful pass. I believe it was Steven Stamkos that got him. So he was all alone on Darcy Kemper and then just got a beautiful wrist shot past him and made it 2-1 to one Tampa Bay just like that. Mark, your thoughts on the goal by Kalorn and uh, the power play that the Kings probably should have scored on because they were attacking like crazy. Your thoughts, sir? Well, it, wasn't that the power play where uh, Vasilevsky made the blind backhand save on Kopitar? To yes. keep the game one to one, yeah, yeah. Well, you, yes, you got to give credit for that, dude. That, I mean, come on, that was that was freaking ridiculous. That's going to be in save of the year category um, uh, to keep that game tied one one and and set up Kalorn uh, with the ability to take a two one two one lead instead of tying the game in two because that that I mean all night long Vasilevsky that. He made a save later in the game on Dowdy with .6 left that would have tied the game. And that that save, um, I was like, uh-oh, Vasilevsky's on. And, you know, that this game's going to go on his Vesna Trophy resume here uh, at towards the end of the season. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you you, you got to be aware of, of how much time is left on the penalty. You've got to be aware of what's going on on the ice. It always surprises me when the guy gets sprung on a breakaway coming out of the box like that, because everybody, everybody should know um, the penalty is about to expire. Someone's got to pick that guy up. So I think that's a breakdown. It was a great bank shot off the boards too. And right on the tape, I believe Stamkos put that on his tape. Um, yeah, I, I, I credit that. I credit that more to a King's breakdown. Somebody's got to fall back and pick that guy up. You can't let someone cop out of the box and uh, go in, go in alone. And and they got what they deserved. Kemper couldn't couldn't stop it, and and it's two one Lightning. Yeah, and I don't think anyone can really blame Darcy Kemper for that goal. I mean, the one that Stamco scored earlier. I mean, it was just it was a weird one from a weird angle, you know stuff happens but this one here one-on-one it's pretty much a shootout you know it could yeah, go 50 50 right? either way yeah. yeah you guys do you agree augie like that was not kemper's fault more a a poor defensive breakdown by the kings than uh you know kemper being at fault for that one yeah oh totally i yeah that's just a uh it was just bizarro land man it was like uh it was like quick bad puck luck uh, got uh, got taken out last night, got exterminated last night, and then uh, got put on to Darcy Kemper tonight because he just could not catch a break. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. Uh, into the second period. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. 3 2 into the second period. Cedric Paquette scores his second goal of the season to make it 3 to 1 for Tampa Bay. Uh, not going to get into it too much. Uh, Nikita Kucherov scored his 29th. Of course, he leads the NHL, I believe, in points. Uh, he was up there with goals, but I believe Alexander Ovechkin is on top there for the uh, Rocket Richard Trophy. Of course, uh, Kucherov's goal was from the five-minute game misconduct penalty to Dustin Brown after going knee-on-knee on one of the, I think it was Sergachev, 
formerly of Montreal Canadiens, yeah. Sergei Sergachev of the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, whether it was purposely or not. You know, we all know Dustin Brown plays that fine line and definitely reminded me kind of sort of the hit on Mike Roosevelt back in the 2012 Western Conference Final, except if you break that one down, Brown did drive his shoulder into Roosevelt just when it was quick and in real time it looked like it was knee to knee. This one definitely was knee to knee. Um, did you guys think that uh, was it purposely? I'm going to go with you, Mark, first. Did you think that it was purposely and should he have gotten the uh, five-minute major and again misconduct, or was that too harsh? Um, look, you you mentioned the the one hit, and he has the hurdle hit, and he has the hit against Arizona in the Western Conference Finals in 2012. It's leg on leg as well. Um, not as egregious as 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 those hits. I didn't think it was. You know, you don't see Brown stick his leg out. You don't see him change directions. Um, but I think, I think there was intent to to obviously put a body on him. And I, I don't have a problem with the game misconduct. I don't have a problem if they just give him uh, the five minutes. Um, I, I it's kind of it's kind of dicey because I don't I don't see Brown changing direction and I don't see him dragging his leg or sticking his leg out to make that contact. Uh, right. So I, I'm I'm on the fence. If they hadn't called it, I'd be okay. Of, of course, Tampa Twitter is is calling for Brown's head. But um, I was glad yeah. to see Sergeyev yeah. come back in the game. He's a he's a really good young player, and you know he's outscoring Drew in the forward he was traded for, and um, outscoring Carlson. So I, I like watching him play. He's a, he's going to be a real good player for a long time. So I was glad he was able to come back to the game. But game misconduct, I'm on the fence. I'm on the call, I guess. Okay, Augie, your thoughts? Well, I've seen. I, I saw it in real time, and the thing with that is uh, that's always uh, that's always a tough one. But uh, I saw it also slowed down, and it looked like Brown was lining him up for a for a shoulder to shoulder hit, and the Tampa player just changed direction a little bit and to avoid Brown, and it looked more or less like he ended up going knee on knee. I mean, there was no doubt it went knee on knee, but as far as the intent of it, I don't think there was any intent there. I mean, if you look at Brown, he's got his shoulder low, like he's going for a shoulder to shoulder hit, and he just got outmaneuvered by some really good edge work. And it resulted in a knee-on-knee hit, but there definitely wasn't any intent there. I mean, it wasn't like he stuck the blade out and stuck his knee no, out. No, for sure. Uh, but it's a, but it's a reputation thing because remember he also took out Hurdle from the San Jose Sharks a few years ago. So he's got right. yes, we all got a little bit of a, we all loved him for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we did. So he's got a little bit of a rep there, and realistically, I don't have a problem with the call that was made by the referee. Uh, in that time and in real time, and that's what they got to do. And uh, uh, it's the way the game is being called now. So I, I don't have a problem with the call. I don't think there should be any supplementary discipline. That's that's my thing. So hopefully he doesn't have a hearing or or have to place a phone call to listen to this stuff uh, about it in the coming days. They just look at it and say, okay, the punishment the punishment is fit the crime and and it's over and done with. I agree. With I that. hope so. But here. 
but I, I, like here's the thing though with uh, George Perils, former king, but mostly a duck. Uh, George Perils now in charge <laughs> of uh, player safety. It was recently that Dustin Brown, uh, one of his hits. I can't remember which game it was. You guys have refreshed my memory, but the, the, the opposing player was actually on his knees. Uh, he had fell not because of Dustin Brown, but he had fallen to his knees. Was it against Pittsburgh? It Pittsburgh. And then, and then yeah, it was against the Brown Penguins, ended the up game. boarding him from behind with the man on his knees. The NHL looked at it, and nothing came of it. And just a few right. days or whatever before, uh, Peros gave that big suspension to the Anaheim Ducks player who was going for that Ironman streak. And, of course, the Ducks fans were upset that the one of their own Peros, um, you know, uh, penalized or suspended a player with no history of doing things like that. And I believe that was against the Kings, a hit on Adrian Kempe in an interference call, if I recall, where Dustin Brown has been suspended before, and a suspension I still disagree with, back in 2013 against Minnesota, against Jason Pominville. But he does have that record. And now that, you know, they were just looking at him recently, do you think maybe because of that, now they're going to look at this one, and because of the flack he got for not suspending Brown and suspending the Duck player, uh, that maybe now Brown's going to end up getting something? No, I don't think so for the mere fact of this. uh, that, that play uh, happened, uh, obviously, in the Kings versus Penguins game. And if you looked at the whole thing, both Brown and uh, I, think, I think it was Schultz, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that, he, that he hit, uh, were both on their knees at one point and had both gotten up. So Brown didn't, didn't have that much speed. And, and Brown went to check him. And it was at the last second that Schultz lost his edge again and fell. And and Brown ended up boarding him. And I think that was the reason why they let it go because it was just the totality of the circumstances. Like he just had no chance to correct anything whatsoever. Uh, and I think this is going to fall into the same thing where the referee made the call on the ice. And I think that's how it's going to be. I don't think there's going to be any kind of, any kind of retribution or message sent, but at the same token, if there was, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be necessarily shocked, but I would be surprised if there's supplemental after this. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, one thing we didn't mention here, I'm going to go with you, Mark, is the fact that once it was 3-1 for Tampa Bay, Stevens pulled Darcy Kemper and put back in Jonathan Quick. And uh, speaking of uh, everyone on Twitter, a lot of people were really upset that uh, uh, Stevens didn't give Kemper, I guess, you know, more of a chance to get back into the game and what so quickly to uh, to make the switch to Jonathan Quick. So what did you think? Did you think that was a good call by John Stevens or should they have kept uh, Kemper in the net just to give him another chance and see what he can do because he was the hot hand before this game? I'm fine with it. I think uh, Quick's play proves that it was the right call, right? I mean, he made, he made a couple highlight saves himself, uh, uh, there's a left pad save, and I forget who was it, who it was on, that led to a, a scrum where we saw Jonathan Quick uh, giving the business in the pile, if you will. Um, so I, I think Quick's play vindicates that decision. I'm, I don't have any problem. Anytime you want to bring Jonathan Quick in, it's okay in my book, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Augie, your thoughts? Uh I think it was okay to do that, and I think it was. I think it was. It wasn't so much he was pulling Kemper as much as he was putting uh, the defense on notice because a lot of those goals were 
were because of defensive breakdowns and stuff that was not Kemper's fault. And I think that that was reinforced to Kemper on the bench that this isn't so much pulling Kemper because he was doing a shitty job. This was sending a message to the guys saying, all right, look, you made this guy look bad. I'm not going to hang him out there to dry. I'm going to put the best goalie in the organization in the pipes for you. You guys, come on now. This is your chance to come back and get off the floor. And Great point. And it works. It works at this point doing that with Kemper and putting Quick in because you couldn't do that with Quick last week when the situation came up because you'd already done that the week before with Quick. Uh, but pulling Kemper out in this spot, I think it was a, it was a sound decision, and the guys responded. I mean, they, they really did respond because that was a different team that came out and played in the second and especially the third period. Yep. Good yeah, point. I, I agree. Go ahead, Mark. I'm just saying that's a good point is a lot of times you got to pull your goalie to wake your team up. And it's not, I mean, like we said, the, uh, the breakaway on the Kaloran goal, not his fault, uh, kind of bad luck no. on the, on the Stamkos goal and the, yeah. the bank in from behind the net where he had the, he had the post sealed and went to pull his pad back to change sides of the net. And as he was shifting his pad, he kicked it into his own net. So that's bad puck luck too. I don't think he I don't think he pulled him because of his play. I think he pulled it because of the way the team was playing in front of him. That's a good point by Augie. Yep. And fair enough, Kemper made uh, 11 saves out of 14 shots. He had a 786 save percentage, uh, two bad puck luck goals, and that breakaway is what can you do? It's 50-50, just like in the shootouts. Sometimes you save them, sometimes you don't. What can you do? But uh, the Kings, as Augie mentioned, did come back super strong. Kyle Clifford scored his third of the season, 317 into the third period. It was assisted by Andre Kopitar and Derek Forbert. Forbert now has, what, four assists in the last two games. Kopitar having his own point streak pretty much. He is just, this is the Kopitar that we know and love. You know, a complete different player than where he was all last season. Now, of course, Kopitar took the shot at Clifford, seemed to have deflected it into the net. Uh, Augie, your thoughts on that goal and uh, uh, Clifford making the game 4-2 and trying to keep the Kings alive in it? Uh, that's one of those where it's so explanatory. I mean, those guys were peppering Vasilevsky with all kinds of shots, and they got it to convert. And I'm really liking uh, Mitchell's version of Kopitar. Uh, much better than last year's, of course, from uh, results-wise. But got to understand that last year, uh, Kopi was playing hurt, and uh, he had yep. to take on a more defensive role because of the lack of quick being in net, where he had to be defensive-minded first, offensive-minded second. And uh, now that uh, those those couple of problems that were there last season aren't there this year, he's really responded. And uh, last year, it's just shown to be the – it was an aberration. Uh, and this is a Kopitar that we all know and love, and that, uh, that that Dean Lombardi signing is looking better in the second year than it did the first year of, his, uh, of the contract. Yes, definitely. And let's not forget that um, in that last season as well, that Kopitar played in its entirety the World Cup of Hockey. He was the captain of Team Europe, and they went all the way to the final against Canada, which went two games. Let's also not forget the before the World Cup of Hockey uh, happened, 
that Kopitar was, was playing with Slovenia and was helping them qualify for these Winter Olympics in South Korea that are happening right now. So he was already playing top-level, important, elite, pressured hockey, one for his country to get them in there, which they did, and then, of course, best on best for the World Cup of Hockey, and then you have an entire NHL 82-game season to worry about. So, you know, I have no doubt. I knew Kopitar had injuries, but there had to be a mental type of fatigue and physical fatigue as well because that is a lot of hockey to play. But the Kings weren't done yet at 13.05. Um, actually, I think I got that wrong. No, he did it. 13.05, Christian Follin from the point scores his third of the season. And I love this combination of who got the assists. It is the hit check, Scott Cahill favorite player, Andy Andrioff, and the hip check, Scott Cahill's least favorite player, Nick Short, teaming up together like the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man, to get full in his goal, and they get four to three, and, and, uh, and, now, and now the teams are within a whisker of tying this game up against the mighty Stanley Cup contending Tampa Bay Lightning. The Kings are showing that if they can't get their act together, they can make these guys bleed. Mark, your thoughts on that goal? Well, I think leading up to that goal, um, Tampa Bay was doing a real poor job of adjusting. The Kings kind of changed their attack a little bit from going down low, going down low, going down low. Dowdy on the power play that, that preceded that had a couple real nice shots from the point and they were getting their shots through. They moved, they, they went high, low again. And the, the shots were getting through from the point, I guess is, is the point I'm trying to make. And Tampa wasn't doing a good right. job of, of extending their defense after that power play. And bang, another shot gets through. And this time it finds the net for Foleen. Um, gave him a chance to, to tie the game and, and maybe force an overtime, but, they couldn't get the equalizer, but I, I think, you know, the, the Kings were buzzing the most of the third period. There was a, there was a little spot where Tampa kind of changed the momentum a little bit about the five minute mark. But um, for the most part, um, they were buzzing and Tampa, Tampa did a poor job. I thought of, of extending their defense and allowing those shots from the point to get through. And finally Foley cashed one in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and Augie, quick gets pulled for the extra attacker. Can you break it down? The mm. final minutes of the Kings swarm and attack. Their blitzkrieg attack on the Tampa Bay net. Can you break that down for us, please, sir? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll break it down in, uh, in just in, in one word. I mean, Vasilevsky, he, that guy, <laughs> if there was yeah. anybody that – saved this game from going into overtime, it was him because he just was unbelievable. I mean, you talk about a clutch goalie. I am so glad that he is in the Eastern Conference and not in the Western Conference because I would hate to see that guy five times a year, especially in my division. Uh, the fact that we're done with him and we only had to see him one time because we saw uh, Budai the Jedi last time over at Staples Center where we barely showed up. Uh, this was a really good. Uh, this was a really good indication as to why Tampa Bay is going to be a power 
for for at least the next uh, three to five years, uh, depending if they stay healthy and uh, and uh, and these players continue to develop. Because this kid, he's young and he is just fantastic. Uh, that's that's all I got. <laughs> I got nothing more. That's it. Yep. If I can vote, if I was allowed to vote on the Vesna Trophy, I mean, Valsalevsky, he's my guy. I mean, he's just been absolutely outstanding. And to show, you know, everyone who votes for the award, they really just have to show the last two, three minutes of this game today against the Kings. And uh, and that uh, in the first period, that power play that the Kings had, where he made that, you know, behind-the-back glove save, uh, that should be enough to convince anyone that this kid deserves uh, the Vesna Trophy, and rightfully so. you agree, Mark? Yeah, right now I do. Um, is it too early to start throwing Dominic Hastrick comparisons out to the way this kid plays net? Um, very very athletic, <laughs> uh, at, at, at times, uh, let's say, unconventional in, in the way he gets the job done. But there's, there's no doubt. I mean, seven shutouts this year. Uh, leads the league in wins with 33, 929 save percentage. Um, uh, r- right now, he's my Vezina Trophy winner, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And, of course, Tampa Bay Lightning with this win continue to be first overall in the entire NHL. So uh, definitely contenders for the prestigious, and I say that, I say that with sarcasm, President's Trophy. Sometimes it could be a curse if you're the President's Trophy winners. But I think the Kings did show that they can get to Tampa Bay because the last game that they played against Tampa Bay, I believe back in November, I mean, they were absolutely run over. Like, they were crushed. So even though this game got away from them, there was a lot of bad bounces that did not go L.A.'s way. Uh, in the end, it was still a one-goal game. So, uh you know, I'm really proud of the boys making that big comeback in the third. Augie, you wanted uh, something to say about uh, about the Kings' record against top teams, sir? Yeah, I kind of just wanted to segue real quick here that, uh, yeah, the Kings did a really good job of, uh, of getting off the floor there because they could have easily just given up uh, and done what they did in Nashville, just roll over and play dead, but they didn't. Uh, they got out there and they played with a sense of pride. Uh for all that's going on right now with uh, with the Kings record, I, I did a little bit of research and uh, and put together a, a rather disturbing statistic here. Uh, the uh, teams right now, that, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, the teams right now in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, uh, I took their record against the top two teams uh, in the Eastern Conference from uh, the Metropolitan, the Atlantic, uh, the top two teams. In the central, in the Western Conference, from uh, from the uh, Central Division, and since the Kings are technically uh, the second place team, uh, I put them up against Vegas. What the record is against Vegas, and uh, and the Jets, because I put the Jets there as the uh, as the other team that would in theory be in second place. So, the Kings against the Bruins, Lightning, Capitals, Penguins, Knights, Blues, Predators, and Jets, three wins. Ten losses, mm. one overtime loss. Ouch. Yeah, and if you mix in our divisional rivals here, the Ducks and the Sharks, I didn't even include the Flames. I just put the Ducks and the Sharks there. Uh, against the Ducks and Sharks, three wins, four losses. So when you put it all together, all those teams I named, 
six wins, 14 losses, and one overtime loss. So these guys, it's uh, it, this is where the the nexus of their struggle is. And that game against the Bruins uh, that they won, that was the miracle shot by Toffoli, uh, where they where they right. stole the game before before it could go into the it was either the shootout or overtime. I forgot. Oh no, that's right. Before, yeah. it, before it could go into overtime. So that was amazing. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was amazing. And, and against the Golden Knights, they're zero and two, and against the Predators, zero yep. two and one. Uh, so these are these are, and against the Sharks, one win, two losses. So they got to kind of turn it around against these top tier teams because when you're six, fourteen, and one against all these playoff teams, you're it looks like you're campaigning for an early early playoff exit. So hopefully, the return, the pending return of Jeff Carter, can make a difference for these guys, and hopefully Trevor Lewis is not as hurt. Uh, is it appears that the, hopefully it's not a long-term injury, but being sent back to Los Angeles for further evaluation is not a good sign. No, no, for sure. But you know what? As long as the Kings make it into the playoffs, then it's a completely different season, and we have seen the Kings be a different team in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. And I understand we can't keep going to that. We can't keep relying on that. But we did witness it twice in our lives, so it is possible and it happened more than once. And that's all the hope I can go for right now. But it is that is a very – I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Augie, because that is very disturbing once you break it down like that against the elite teams of the NHL and the Kings just don't do very well. So um, – it is what it is. But the Kings did make a big comeback in this third period. It came close within a goal. How many teams can do that to the Tampa Bay Lightning with that goalie in net? Um, it still is impressive. But, yeah, the Kings definitely still have some issues. They definitely still have some holes in the lineup, of course, with Jeff Carter being out and Trevor Lewis being out right now, too. But you know what? They just got to keep on fighting and scrapping and get into the playoffs, and then who knows what happens. How many President's Trophy teams win the Stanley Cup when they win the President's Trophy, right? How many Pacific Division teams win the Pacific Division and go on to win the Stanley Cup or any division go on to win the Stanley Cup, right? Because nothing is guaranteed once you get into the playoffs. And then you add other factors such as the other teams picking up maybe some injuries, maybe some players going to a slump or or, you know, maybe the, uh, the coach puts in the wrong combination of players in a lineup, much like Daryl Sutter did in 2016 against the Sharks. It happens, and then I can change anything, but uh, definitely very scary, and I'm glad you brought that up, Augie. Uh, Mark, you, of course, are the host of the Great Vegas Hockey Podcast, and I got two questions about that for you. Number one, when are you going to get that J.D. Styles guy back on your show? I think it's very entertaining when he's on there. When is that great guy back? And you're welcome anytime, sir. You are welcome anytime. We'll do a, <laughs> we'll do a trade deadline breakdown and have you on in the first week of March. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. You know, I love coming hey, on there. So that's a one quick a note. Date. Though one one quick note for Augie. Yep. Don't feel bad. There's a lot of teams that are zero and two against the Knights. Yeah, that's true. You're oh right. yeah. <laughs> no There's a lot of teams that are zero and two. Nashville's zero and two. Uh, I, I could go down the list, but don't. Yeah. So don't, we were talking about this that's, last That's a night. real good hockey team. We were talking about it last night, what makes Vegas so good, and as someone who's been following them since, you know, they were announced to be an expansion team in the NHL, Mark, 
the question is going to go to you. Why are the Vegas Golden Knights so good and uh, probably the second-best team in the NHL right now just behind Tampa Bay? Well, I think there's a number of things. Number one, the team plays for each other above all else. I, I had a, a Edmonton Oilers writer on the show earlier today, and there's there's a stark contrast between <coughs> excuse me, between those two teams right now and where we thought Edmonton would be and where we thought that, that the Golden Knights would be. Um, and, and first and foremost, this is a team that enjoys playing for each other. Uh, Gerard Gallant, Coach of the Year, you can write that down in ink right now. They've fully bought into yep. the system. They, they're a very fast team. Their defense moves the puck out of the zone very well. They contest every pass. They contest every shot. Their compete level is off the chart. And they are all playing with a chip on their shoulder to prove that, you know, the team that put them on the exposed list made a mistake. And you you look at this team, and it's not an expansion team. You have guys, you know, James Neal Perron and Marc-Andre Fleury all have Stanley Cups. Um They've they've all gone deep in the playoffs numerous times. They they have experience that you don't see in in an expansion team maybe since the Florida Panthers, um, who went heavy on experience in in their draft and made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in their second year. Um, that philosophy yep. kind of fell apart <laughs> on Florida. Um, after that run. Well, they got rid of the but, plastic rats. Once you get rid of the plastic rats when the fans would throw it on the done. ice every time they scored, and Patrick Royal being the only guy not to hide in the net for a goalie, he just took those things off the face, and he didn't care because he's an immortal. Um, it, it, it killed the mojo of the Florida Panthers, but that's my theory. But sorry, Mark, continue. I, I agree. I agree completely. you you got to love the rats. Um, but, but, no, um, the guys that are playing over their head or maybe playing up to their ability, Carlson uh, finally getting a chance to play significant minutes after being buried in Columbus. Um, Marsha Show continuing what he did last year in his breakout season. Um, I think, I think you know, we were talking today, and, and the team doesn't have a, a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby um or, 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 you know, an upper echelon type elite player, but you've got a bunch of really good hockey players and they're playing for each other. And I think that's the most important factor. Um, speaking of players <laughs> and how they're playing with Vegas, can you give us some updates on former LA Kings, uh, Brady McNabb and Colin Miller, who I still cry when I think about that trade to Boston. <laughs> Uh, we, we've talked about that trade a bunch of times, Jeff. And he, uh, he, he's, another, he's another guy who has a little bit of playoff experience with Boston last year. So, um, you know, Colin's doing very well. He's the player that we thought he was going to be. He uh, anchors the second power play unit. Um, sometimes he's out there with Nate Schmidt on the first power play unit as a tandem. Um, and their power play has been phenomenal in the last 10 games. Um, so, so, McNabb's re-upped. He's happy to be here. He's playing his, his usual physical style. Um, he, he's a he's a little more aggressive on on the rush as as Gallant system calls for. 
and he's he's handled that role real real well. And and the defense as a whole, when you can take a Derek England and put him with the Shea Theodore, so you have sort of the Willie Mitchell Drew Doughty from back in the day when Mitchell right. was the mentor and Doughty Doughty was the young up and comfort. Well, well Theodore's coming into his own, and then then you can put Braden McNabb and pair him with uh, Colin Miller and be the stay-at-home physical guy and and free up Colin Miller to use that speed and that shot that he does possess. Um, it, it, it's a nice it's a nice tandem. It really is um, for a second pair. Um, it, it really gets the job done um, offensively and. They're both plus players, so um, def- definitely well chosen by Mr. McPhee, and hope- hopefully he can get when when it's Miller's time to resign. Hopefully they get that done too, because both players are contributing very well for the Golden Knights. Okay, here's the big question: Kings make the playoffs, and somewhere down the line they take on the Vegas Golden Knights. And now this is the Kings. We're going to assume Jeff Carter is back and Trevor Lewis is back and he's okay. Gabrick's not injured and so forth. Pretty much the team we have now, but Carter and Lewis are in that team. Quick's back to form and Kemper is still Kemper. He's reliable and he can play. Taking on this Vegas Golden Knights, but in a playoff best of, best of seven series where, you know, the check-in's going to be tighter and uh, it's going to get rougher. Um, who wins that series, in your honest opinion? And listeners out there, do not get angry at what Mark has to say. This man is a lifelong Ellie Kings fan, but he tells it like it is, which is why I respect him so much. So, Mark, Kings versus Vegas. If in a playoff series this year with these two rosters, who takes it? If the Knights have home ice, I like the Knights, probably in six. Um, they have so much speed, and and so they're, they're passing. They may be a top three passing team in the national hockey league. Um, they are always going forward with the puck. I was comparing and contrasting their style with the Kings tonight, because I don't get to see as much of the Kings as I like since they shut the Kings out of this market. Um, I actually bought center ice packets just to watch the the Kings game tonight, as a matter of fact, but um, I hear if, that. If Kings, I hear if, that. <laughs> if, if the night, if the Knights have home ice, I just can't, I just can't see, as much as it, as it hurts to say, I, I, I like the Knights in six and that. And and right now, if, if obviously if the playoffs start, it's gonna it's gonna be tough for the Kings to pull a home ice series against the Knights with the the seeding the way it's gonna go. So um, unless quick right. unless quick is quick, it, it you know he's the wild card. Um, I think a, a quick flurry matchup in the playoffs for seven games, six games, whatever it would be, would be phenomenal. Uh, Quick can steal you a playoff series. There's no question about that. So that would be the one caveat. If, if Quick is, is out of his mind, um, then, then the Kings can take it. But, I mean, you're looking at the second highest scoring team in the National Hockey League with the Golden Knights. And, yes, the checking will be tighter. It is a more physical game in the playoffs. But they've played games like that right. against Nashville, and, and, and they, they beat Nashville twice. They've they played Winnipeg, uh, really solid game up in, on their last road trip, and you know every every question that's been put in front of this Knights team, uh, oh they're, they're, they're okay they won their first six games at home blah 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 once once they get into the season they're coming back no 
Um, they have the second best road record in the National Hockey League. They have the second best home record in the National Hockey League. Um, the if Flurry's healthy and they have home ice, I got it. Unfortunately, guys, I got to go with the Knights at this point in time. Now, here's my thing with the gold pennant of the Knights in the playoff series. Maybe because I'm Canadian and I've been following Marc-Andre Fleury since his junior days, which I've never really forgiven him for uh, choking in two straight gold medal world junior finals back in 2003 <laughs> and 2004 very horribly. But look, just looking at his uh, playoff numbers here, of course, this is a man who's won three Stanley Cups. Fair enough. And when, it, when, when Pittsburgh were winning the early Cups, I mean, they won the final 2008 Detroit won uh, the cup that year, but Flurry had a 9.33 save percentage those playoffs. Absolutely amazing. The year Pittsburgh Wonder Cup, uh, Flurry's first cup, Crosby, Malkin's first cup, he had a 9.08 save percentage, below average, but good enough. He got the job done, much like Quick did in 2014. Uh, he did what he had to do to win, and then he went one, two, three, four straight playoffs where he never even got over 900 with a save percentage. In 2010, uh, he went, they went to the second round, 891, save percentage. 2011, first round, seven games, 899. 2012, six games, 834. And the big one, 2013, where they went to the conference final, I believe they battled Boston, and he was 883. To be fair, he also he did bounce back last year, going 924, and then before getting injured, and then rookie sensation Matt Murray went back in there. Um, so I think it depends on which Mark Andre Fleury shows up. But, Mark, if you get the uh, under 900 save percentage Fleury or even the injured Fleury, that could happen. Because when Fleury's hot, he's hot. He's amazing, no doubt. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I fully believe it. But when he's not doing good, if something's in his head, he's been really bad, and it shows in his numbers. Who would be the backup? Can Malcolm Subban be that backup? And can Vegas still no. go far with him? No. no. It has to be Fleury or Buck. 100%. I don't think Malcolm Subban, despite okay. his numbers this year, there's a reason Boston put him on waivers. And the goaltending coach in Vegas obviously did a phenomenal job with Dansk and Legacy and Subban when Fleury was out early in the season, right? <clears throat> um, which is another testament to the Golden Knights that they were able to maintain what they're doing despite playing five goaltenders in the first 25 games. Um, but if Fleury's not the workhorse, then then – I, I, I say no chance against the LA Kings or any team for that. Interesting. Match. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Subban maybe in a year, maybe in two years right now, he, if, if Flurry struggles and you have to go to Subban, the Knights are in big trouble. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for being on the show here, buddy. You know how much I love talking hockey with you. And I know it was very short 100%. notice um, for you to come onto the show, but I'm so happy that you did, sir. Uh, thank you so much for everything. And where can our listeners find you and your podcast? Oh, well, go on Twitter, and we are at Vegas Hockey Pod. Um, or, you know, our shows are archived, obviously, on iTunes and, and Block Talk Radio archives all our shows, too. So, just search Vegas Hockey Podcast, all one word, and or go on go on your iPhone, click the podcast button, search Vegas Hockey Podcast, and there we are. Okay. Thanks so much, Mark. I'll talk to you soon, brother. And remember, you promised me a trade deadline show. I have it written down. You and got if it. not, I'm going to go complain to Chris. Is that fair enough? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough, sir. We'll talk to you soon.
All, All right, right thanks, Marco. Keep us go. Hey, Augie, good talking to you too, buddy. Likewise, my friend. Go Kings, go. All right, that was Mark so, Warner of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Extreme, really good friend of mine, guys. Check out the Vegas Hockey Podcast by Mark and Chris Liza. They are friends of our show. They're always retweeting our shows, and they've been guests on our shows, and vice versa. A great bunch of guys. They know their hockey, and they cover not just Vegas. They do cover a lot of the Kings. Mark is, is a Kings fan, but they cover the entire NHL. So uh, check that out. So, Augie, anything you want to bring up, my friend? Yeah, uh, I wanted to uh, rebut the uh, the Vegas prediction and essentially tell you this: that if it was King, if it goes Kings versus Vegas in the first round, uh, I got the Kings in six, and this is why. One of the one of the biggest successes behind uh, Las Vegas is uh, a great. I mean, just fantastic start out there. Is they're one of the least uh, penalized teams out there. So their power play right. differential is, is really strong, and they take advantage on the power play. But what ends up happening during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we see it year after year, these referees swallow their whistles. They let a lot of stuff go that they otherwise would not have let go during the regular season. And I don't believe that – I mean, Vegas is a fast team. But I believe that the that they don't have the big physical presence outside of McNabb uh, to really deal with these teams that can actually push them around and now can stand a guy up and now be really physical with them. Uh, because the referees, they, they let a lot of stuff go. And in Stanley Cup playoff hockey, uh, it's very physical. And I think that the, uh, the wear down of an 82-game season uh, for these guys and a lot of them, this is uh, quite a few of them. This is the first time they've played this many games. I think it's going to slow them down. And I think you're going to see Vegas, uh, unless Gallant kind of starts to rest certain guys and everything and kind of protect them and try to keep them uh, fresh for the playoffs. Uh, I don't see them, uh, unless they get the right matchup, I don't even see them getting out of the first round. And that is no disrespect to them, but this is where playoff experience comes into play. And the playoff experience matters. And, yeah, I mean, you could write a hard – you don't know what version of Marc-Andre Fleury is going to show up. And I think yeah. there's just a lot of yeah. wild cards there to where you have to sit back and see and give the advantage to a team like the Kings or a team like the Ducks or the Sharks or whoever, uh, or even Calgary, uh, whoever uh, Vegas happens to draw in the first round. Because there's no doubt they're making the playoffs, but it's just a matter of uh, who they get. Yeah, it definitely would be interesting if we did end up having that scenario with the Kings versus the Knights. I I believe that the Kings will win it because, it, like you said, and like I was mentioning before, it depends all on Mark Andre Fleury. If if we if we face off, we of course us being the Kings, Augie, right? If we face off the Knights and we get the Mark Andre Fleury of last year's playoffs, it's going to be a difficult series. But if we get the Mark Andre Fleury of the 2016 playoffs, meaning injured, we're good. If we get the Marc Andre Fleury of the 2010, 11, 12, and 13 playoff series, and remember, in 2013, the Penguins went all the way to the conference final. It wasn't just one round; it was three, and he was horrible. If we get that, then uh, we're good as well, too. So for me, for I, I say the Kings in six as well, but it's it's all about the Fleury factor. But we got some callers here on the line, Augie. Let's start bringing them in. Sorry, guys, for waiting so long. Calling from the 
440 area code. 440 area code. We know who this is. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. In, in spite of all that, I was just. Uh, they climbed back into it, which which was great. It was great to see. They got um, 44 shots on Vasilevsky tonight. I mean, he was just he was just unreal. Yeah, he, he was, was unreal. I, for sure. I, well, I, I here, agree you, that, you, just, you know. If you can just hold on a sec, Jared. We're also bringing on area code number 602. I know who this is, too. Our good friend, Larry Jensen. Larry, how are you, sir? Larry, are you there? Nope, we lost. We lost Larry. We still got Jerry. Jerry, are you still there? Yeah, Okay, you're still here. Who who stood up from... Who stood out for you on the Kings? I know Kings locked. They were down 4-1, but came back 4-3. For you, Jerry, who stood out from the Kings, and who didn't look too good for you from the Kings tonight? Um, I like the I I like the fallen goal. Uh, Kopitar, of course, stood out. Uh, he had he had a good game. Um, as far as who didn't. I I don't know. I kind of got to go Kemper. Yeah. That that last that yeah. last that last goal where he got pulled where he was just completely turned around. Um, you know, I I know the one where the guy came out of the box that, you know, that's a breakaway. That's not his fault. But uh right. when he just got completely turned around on that third one and they finally yanked him. I I was I was okay with that. I was okay with that. I'm, you know, sort of biting my nails, uh, wondering what's going to happen with Brown over the knee-on-knee hit, and I hope they just go with the penalty that was called on the ice, but you just never know. Yeah, or a fine, something like that would be okay. I think for me, you know though, they're, you know they're going to review it. You know they're going to review <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. Well, you were on the show yesterday, uh, Jerry, and we were talking about Tyler Toffoli. And Toffoli today, of course, no goals, no assists, no points. Uh, he did get three shots of that, which he is what he post, got uh, he? yesterday. Did he hit a post? But didn't it's still not post? going in. It's got to go in. He has not <laughs> know, scored a goal since Jan- January 6th against the Nashville Predators. He's in a major scoring slump, and he has 18 goals. He's so close to 20, can't get it in. Augie, your thoughts? Who stood up to you uh, of the Kings that didn't play well? And your thoughts on Tyler Dufoley? Still there, Augie? No, Augie is out. But we do have somebody else on the line. Good friend to the show. We're just losing people, Jerry, left, right, and center. And, of course, from the 602 area, I know who this is. Is it Larry Jensen? That's me, J.D. How you doing, bro? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, good. Uh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so, yeah, this uh, this game has me scratching my head a little bit. Uh, obviously, I'm going to leave this one at, uh, at, at Brownie's doorstep because he really – uh, that penalty was really stupid, and uh, you know it, he if if uh, if 
George Imperial Star. I I don't know. I think it was uh, I think it's Stephanie Cantal who's uh, who's heading up the player safety department. Is, he, is that him? I think that's him that's doing that. That's uh, it's George. Yeah, it's George Peros. George Peros. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I guess I'm uh, I gotta move ahead in the time then. <laughs> so anyway, well, if it's <laughs> no George Peros, and that's that's fine. Um, so yeah, I mean. This is really, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a coin toss here, really, because you know he can really, you know, he's got a history of uh, of being, you know, you know, on the line there for for uh, for the Kings, but you know, for the team and everything. But you know, his uh, it's just either or as far as the uh, as far as how that those. Um, those few contacts that he has had with players, that he just he has a bit of a, a problem. In fact, it's it was um, I can't remember who it was, but he they talked about his his ability, his um, his playing. You know, as a that uh, he was really on the edge as far as um, being a, a like an enforcer type uh, forward. And that was pretty much his role, you know, when he was playing in uh, 2012. You know, he and he was. Uh, I mean, I still remember that one uh, hit that he did, he gave on uh, Sadine that one time. Yep, <laughs> Poor Sadine, he was just he was fucking. <laughs> That's yeah. a highlight reel we're gonna watch at the Jumbotron, <laughs> Jumbotron, or those video packages that the Kings do so well. For the rest of our lives, that is highlight real. That hit on Henrik Sedin in the playoffs, first round of the 2012 playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um, and he just uh, he just really laid into him there for for that uh, that one hit. So um, you know, I think that you know, I mean, it's just it's just a gut a judgment call. So I mean, if Charles does decide to to give him a, a suspension or or whatever, then you know, I mean, hey. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I can. We can really defend it, really. So if they, but I mean, it's just it's just a situation where we have to figure out what, where to move on from there, you know. So, um, you know, we've got to have yeah, to figure well, out what Brown, to do with I mean, that. I were, I were, sorry, sorry, Larry. I remember Dustin Brown playing with the Gulf yeah. Storm back as a junior, and he played on on that edge. Because I don't think Dustin Brown's a dirty player, but he plays on that fine edge that it can go slightly over where it was a dirty play or slightly under that it was actually a legal play. Uh, and I mentioned earlier in the show about the Mike Roosevelt hit. If you watch the 2012 uh, Kings versus Coyotes Western Conference Final, Game 5 in overtime, Brown steamrolls defenseman Mike Roosevelt, um, and it looked knee-on-knee in regular motion. But once they slowed it down, there's a camera angle. It's on YouTube, guys. I'll even post it up on my Facebook and uh, Twitter page, and you can see it's actually a montage of the series between the Kings and the Coyotes played to some epic music because it was an epic series. And when you slow it down, Dustin Brown actually was leaning with his shoulder and hit Roosevelt right in his chest. Then the leg got in there, but it was well after the hit, but it happened so fast. And when Dustin Brown hit somebody, it's so hard. He's like a wrecking ball that it looked really bad, but Dustin Brown did not get a penalty on that call, and it did shake up uh, the, the 
Phoenix Coyotes so much that Shane Doan and Mike Smith were all losing their minds. And on the very next ensuing faceoff, that's when Dustin Tanner got the uh, overtime winning goal, taking the Kings into the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1993. But we are low on time here, guys. I'm sorry. To, the, the original segment took a bit longer than I thought it would. Plus, we had some major technical difficulties for some reason. As, as you know, Larry, we just had some a couple of minutes ago trying to get you on the phone here. But we're all going to pick a star of the game. I know the Kings lost, but the Kings did make a big comeback. And they did show that Superman can indeed bleed. And if he can, if he can bleed and you can get to him, then you can defeat him. Yes, I watch superhero movies. Sue me. I love them. So that's why I'm using that, I'm using that reference. So uh, we're going to start with you, Jerry, since you called first. Who would be your third star of the game of the LA Kings? Who did you like? I like Fallen. I, I, I like that goal. It, it was, uh, you know, it was just kind of classic. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Fallen, with the Fallen goal. Christian Fallen? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, Christian Fallen with a nice shot from the point. Absolutely. And he's been playing really good as late, too. I mean, here's a guy that yeah, sometimes yeah. is a healthy scratch, or he's forgotten. You know, he's forgotten, you know, in comparison to the, the other defensemen that are on the team. But it was a huge, huge goal that he scored. So our third star of the game, Christian Folan. Larry, who is your number two star of the game? Um, I I would think, you know, it was uh, in campaign because I think that he was, he was, you know, was the way he was supporting the team, the, uh, the players coming in and, um, you know, his speed was trying to, you know, trying to score on that one goal uh, or when that on that one opportunity. So, but he had a lot of looks out there. I think that he would be number two. All right. So, Adrian Kempe is Correct. our pick for the Correct. second star of the game. I have someone in mind here for the first star, but I'm going to do two honorable mentions. Honorable mention to the captain, Andre Kopitar, who got an assist. Uh-huh. He was a plus one, three shots on net. Uh, 25 minutes and 27 seconds of total ice time and was 54% on the face-off dot. And I won't make this guy number one because uh, the hip check might fire me if I do so, but Nick Shore with his second straight <laughs> excellent game, two assists, two assists to go along with the points he got last night against Florida, two points. Um, 50% of the face-off dot, not too shabby. Uh, at least it's 50-50, 13 minutes and 22 seconds of total ice time. But I'm going to go with the number one star, and let's see if I can get the drum roll right for once. The number one star is... I don't care what people say, but it is the Brodzy. Johnny Brodzinski, who got a, another goal today, his yeah. second straight, it, such an important key goal as well. It was the beautiful tic-tac play that he too. did. I, oh, man, with uh, that goal, that, that three-on-two with Brodzinski, Shore, and Andrew absolutely fantastic. He also had five <laughs> shots on net. He was all over the place, and that's what I love about Johnny Brodzinski. And anyone who listened to the show yesterday, and Jerry, you were on the show yesterday, um, I compared him to Kirk Muller. He reminds me a lot of Kirk Muller. That's right. Kirk <laughs> Muller had a fantastic wow. career in the NHL. 
But Muller, he would get in the crease, and he would just get those greasy goals, or he would just get those goals where he just would shoot that puck to the net. It didn't matter if he was heavily covered. It didn't matter if he was at the point. Or or if he was using the net as his personal jungle gym, he was going to get in there and just get that puck to the net. And that's what Brzezinski does. And yet got another one today. This one was a beautiful one. Yesterday was a was a strange one because of all the bounces, but they all count. So Johnny Brzezinski, the number one star of the show, of the game. And, uh, again, that line of Brzezinski, Shore, and uh, Andy Andrea for the second straight game in a row, and I had my reservations when uh, Short got picked yesterday instead of Mike Amadio, but they've been playing some excellent hockey and have shown some excellent chemistry. Thank you. The audience agrees, guys. The audience agrees. <laughs> hey, J.D., I, I got an idea about uh, about a, a nickname for Johnny Brzezinski. About if we call him Johnny Go for Broadway, it. you know, Johnny Broadway. Johnny you know, Broadway. You know, the way he's playing, you know, it seems like he's really there playing you go. Um, on a good, uh, you know, with a really good, you know, uh, stick and everything. He's got a really good feel for the ice, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's always putting on a show with, a, with those good goals. So it's like, why not? You know, it's a great. Uh, I think that's a good nickname for him. Yeah, let's go with Broadway. It is. Yeah, Jerry likes it, so it's approved. Guys, we're just going to quickly go around the NHL and see what's been going on uh, while the Kings ended up losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning, which there is, of course, no shame in that. And we got the music for it, too. Right on, right on. So we'll do this quickly. These Buffalo Sabres defeated the Boston Bruins 4-2 in a game that really doesn't wow. affect us at all whatsoever. Let me get the music a bit up here. Can you guys hear that? Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, cool. The Nashville Predators defeated the Montreal Canadiens 3-2. The Columbus Blue Jackets beat the New Jersey Devils at the Who Cares game 6-1. The Toronto Maple Leafs took out the Ottawa Senators 6-3, so I'm sure I'm not going to hear the end of that one tomorrow when I go see my family for dinner. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes went 3-1 over the Avalanche. Minnesota Wilds shut out the Chicago Blackhawks uh, 3-0. The Philadelphia Flyers defeat our division rivals, the Arizona Coyotes, or Coyotes, 4-3. Well, and right really, now... the and right now, for the game that affects us the most, two, two division rivals, the Edmonton Oilers, are battling the San Jose Sharks. They're in the second intermission, and it's a 3-3 tie. Let's hope that the struggling Oilers can find a clean win in regulation against the Sharks to help us out. And that is a yeah, round that would be nice. the NHL. That yeah, would be have. nice, wouldn't it? We need you. We right, need Jerry, your help. Before I let you go, sir, right. any final comments before we add things here? Uh, let's just hope the next game goes a little better. They they really tried tonight. They they've made a mighty effort to come back. It just fell a little short. Um, and you know, because we definitely need some points off of this road trip. That's that's for sure. Oh, most definitely. And of course, the next game. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, who is the next game? 
Who do they pick Carolina up Hurricanes. They got the okay, Carolina well, that, Hurricanes, that, of course, in Carolina on Tuesday. That should be good yep, for some Nothing's point. guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed, no. but that's definitely a must-win with the Kings. Would you guys agree? Oh, definitely. You got to beat the Hurricanes. You got to beat the Hurricanes. No, nope, for sure. All right, Jerry, yeah, thank you so energy. much once again yeah. for calling in tonight. And, uh, well, hopefully you call in on Tuesday as well. I look forward to it, Jerry. Thank you so much. Right. Absolutely. Talk to you Tuesday. Yep. All right. Go Kings, go. Go Kings, go. And then there was two. Larry, your thoughts on the Carolina game. What did the Kings have to do to win that one? Uh, you know what? As far as the, the Hurricanes is concerned, I mean, they're just a little bit a step down from the Lightning. I mean, I'm not just trying to to put down the the, uh, the the Canes or anything like that. I think they're a really good team. Right, right. But I I really think that the Kings, you know, played as well as they could tonight. And if they play that well tomorrow night or, or the next game against the the Hurricanes. They can win that game. They can. They can. They do have the potential to beat the, the Canes, and I think they have a really good shot. Yeah, fair enough. The Kings definitely have to win it, but nothing's guaranteed, especially in Carolina. But I hope that the Kings, you know, if they play the way that they played in the third period against Tampa Bay, they're going to be okay. They'll win more games than lose, that's for sure. And not every team. It's going to be at the level like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Larry, you're, you're going to get the honor of closing the show, sir, but you're going to get the choice of either. Of course, the choice. We only have two choices, as you know already. <laughs> it's either Coked Up Elvis or Sammy Hagar Weekend, sir. How do we have the show? It will be your pick. Well, you know what? I'm a, I'm a Van Halen fan. I'll go with Sammy Hagar for tonight. How about that? All right, Sammy Hagar weekend it is. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to LA Kings Road Talk Radio. And a big thank you to the hip check, Scott Cahill, for letting me host the show today. Augie Loya for helping out. Mark Warner of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check it out. Mark, great as always. Thank you for being on the show. Jerry, Larry for calling in, always showing support. Always appreciate your support, guys, brother. You guys always are tweeting. You guys are always sharing our, our podcast. You guys call in and help and support, and support us. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So let's call it a night. I have been J.D. Styles, and I am now out of here. So until Tuesday night against Carolina, good night, everyone, and go, keep go.
Go, Kings, go. Oh, yes. Go, 